Opinions expressed in this episode are personal. They do not necessarily reflect the views of this streaming platform. Good day, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Let's Be Diverse. I am your host, Andrew Stage. This episode is dedicated to all my loved ones who supported me through this journey. Now, we all have this visual maintaining and increasing our happiness. I was intrigued by this article describing the concept of debiting versus crediting our energy, and I want to dig in this a little bit further. And I wanted to bring on someone who has a little bit of knowledge in this. I was lucky enough to have her on today. Her name is Andrea Holt. Now, Andrea is a licensed marriage and family therapist, a certified addiction specialist, and a certified EMDR clinician. She manages an integrated care team where behavioral health providers work together with family physicians to provide whole person care. She also owns a private practice where she sees clients in a traditional therapy setting. She also specializes in working with professionals to find a healthy work-life balance. When we first met, I felt like our personalities clicked on every level just because she was so easygoing, genuine, and super adaptable. When I asked her if she wanted to be a guest, she, without any hesitation, said yes. So I'm so happy to have her on today. Welcome to the show, Andrea. Thank you so much. It's such an honor to have you on. Well, thank you. I'm happy to be here. This is stuff I really enjoy talking about. I think any opportunity I get to chat about people maintaining wellness, I'm probably going to be in for. So I appreciate the opportunity. It's a pleasure to have you. How are things going in your end of the world? They're going well. I, I live in Colorado and this is a really lovely time of year. In fact, we were just talking about September in Colorado being such a nice month in particular because it's cool mornings, but nice enough still throughout the day. So you're not cold. You can still get outside and it's just beautiful. The colors are changing. So it's a really lovely time of year. And for you college football fans, home of the Colorado Buffaloes. Yes, I am a CSU Ram. So we were a little bit disappointed by the game, but yes, (laughs) the Buffaloes are from this state, but that is not my team. (laughs) It's not everybody's team. So we totally get it. I love that everything is going well for you and that the weather is good. I see sceneries in Colorado. I never made it out there, but I definitely do want to make it out there one day. I just think it would be so cool to see the mountain and all of that. So definitely is on my bucket list. That's for sure. So before we begin, I always have a fun, thought-provoking question to ask my guests to get things going. Are you ready for yours? I am. I'm excited to see what it is. Okay, so your question is, if you were transported 400 years into the past and you had nothing on you to prove it, how would you prove that you were from the future? Oh, man. (laughs) That is, I had nothing on me to prove it. I would assume I'd have clothing on, so that might be very odd looking to someone 400 years ago. (laughs) And I would think if I didn't have anything physical, so clothing aside, I would think the language, like how we speak English is so different now. And our terminology and the words I would be using would probably sound like a completely different language to someone 400 years ago. There'd be some overlap and some similarities, but I would think the vocabulary would be dramatically different. And I would try to use literal words to get at the notable difference between 
2023 and 400 years ago. Such a great answer. I wasn't expecting that answer, but it well thought out for someone who didn't know what was coming. You did <laughs> I, I appreciate that. That's a lot of fun. And I love the fact that you'd said vocabulary. Um, I never really thought about that. I was thinking of it today as I was preparing and I came up with that one. I, I mm-hmm. thought, okay, how would I do it? I didn't come up with that answer. That's for sure. What um, was your? I'm curious now. What would you do? I guess I just try to convince them. I think maybe I'd try and talk about sports, maybe, and tell mm-hmm. them, well, there's this and there's that, and maybe try to convince them what I've seen and, mm-hmm. and yeah, and hope that they would believe that I was. Right. I think that's very hard to convince, but yeah, you know, be tough. You, just, you just have to stick at it, I think, and just keep telling them, and eventually maybe they'll buy it or they'll believe it. Thanks very much for having fun with me. I, I always have fun with those. And especially when I get them all set up, I just look forward to what the answers are going to give. I think that's great. Good. Andrew, why don't we start off with you telling us a little bit about you? Sure. So I, I've been in this field for coming up on, no, it has been 20 years, which gosh, makes me feel really old to say. And my job over those 20 years has evolved done several different things. So when I came straight out of graduate school, I worked in community mental health and got some really good foundational skills with pretty significant mental health diagnoses and trying to help people navigate life on the quite severe end of the behavioral health spectrum. From there, I went into integrated care, which is where I've spent the last 18 years. So my team is integrated physically in with primary care physicians. And our role there is obviously to provide patient care, but it's also to reg- to uh, educate medical residents. So it's a residency where physicians, when they graduate medical school, they go to residency. We are a family practice residency and we train doctors on all things behavioral health. So there's some teaching components of what I do in that role as well. So that's been there for the last 18 years. And then side by side with that, I started a private practice where I do more traditional, you go see a therapist in an office type of work. And through that job, I have contracted with our Department of Human Services, which does the child protection work. I've done a variety of things with them from high acuity in-home family therapy with families to what I do now is more on the prevention end for staff. And that's been a really lovely shift in my role. So for about the last eight years, I've done what we call resiliency alliance groups, which are geared to make sure that staff who are doing critically hard and complex jobs are taking care of themselves and able to show up to work as their best human, understanding that when you work with others, when you work with at times toxic material emotionally, that's going to affect you. And so I really loved the shift to being able to work with the providers to be well and stay well. So that's just been a really part of why I like doing wellness work is it keeps it fresh in my mind. So if it's stuff I'm talking about all the time, I'm more likely to do it myself. And it is a great topic to read and learn about. And I incorporate new strategies. And then I'm able to take that into my other role at the residency and as a program manager and talk about it with that whole world as well. You mentioned that you take it with you. Mm-hmm. I imagine that when mm-hmm. stuff comes up or when conversations, you're like, okay, am I doing this? Am I doing that? I know I talk a lot about in the workplace. I feel like leaders need to do a little bit of check-ins. So 
people, not every day, but periodically, maybe once a week, how are you doing? Do you need anything? Did you take a break today? Just stuff like that, I think is important. So I can see that when you are doing that, those things are probably coming to mind when you're telling, especially a client, oh, are you taking your breaks? Are you getting this? And then in your head, you're thinking, okay, did I take a break today? Did I do what I need to do? So I could totally see that for sure. It's been a really lovely shift. And I still do a lot of acute work. I still do a lot of, I I specialize in trauma. So I specialize in sort of complex trauma, substance use, complex medical issues, very messy combinations of very hard life things. That work still exists. I still do that. And that's rewarding in its own way. It's also really nice to be on the preventative end and to be doing future-focused prevention work to balance out the really hard pieces of information that I hear on a daily basis. And I imagine that it's hard sometimes because, again, we're talking about well-being and keeping your home separate from work and your work separate from home. And I imagine that you have to learn quickly not to take those things, even if you're working from home, not Mm -hmm. to take those situations with you so that it affects how you are at home as well. Absolutely true. So as I mentioned in our opening, you were the one that actually told me about this article. So I looked at it and I thought it was so interesting. So I thought, what a great opportunity to have you want to talk about it. I'd like you to explain to us what you mean by debit mm-hmm. and credit. So I love this concept and I, I can in no way take credit for coming up with it. I can absolutely take credit for talking about it a lot. But you really want to think about our, we we come to each day with a certain amount of energy. And if you think about it like a checking account, there's things that are going to come out of it and there's things that are going to go into it. And that flow is going to look different every day based on any number of things. Some of those are personal things. Some of those are work-based things. And it's so important to stay in the black, not get in the red, essentially, if we're using that sort of money metaphor of, I don't want to, to bounce an emotional check <laughs> because I haven't been taking care of myself. So it, it's thinking about it this way as an opportunity to look at our average day. And there's things that we go through that are going to be energy drains, energy debits. And they're not all bad. Some of them are just parts of the day. So we want to do two things. We want first to look at what our energy debits are and to say, are there things on here that I could change, that I could remove, that I could minimize? And if so, we want to look at that. There's also going to be things that are just there, that are part of our day-to-day life that just take energy away. And it's just being mindful of those things. The expectation is to not eliminate all debits. That's impossible. It's simply to be aware of what are my debits? And then I need to make sure that over the course of an average week, because everything's not going to be perfect every day, I'm balancing that out with energy credits or deposits, shall we say. I love when you said you don't want to balance an emotional check. Mm -hmm. I love when you said that. It makes me think of, you know, you want to make sure that you're checking on your emotions and making sure that your emotions are in check, whether it's outside of work or inside of work. And I know we spend more time in the workplace than we do outside of work. So I do believe that it's important to have those emotional checks in whatever situation it is, whether your workload is up or you had a difficult conversation with a coworker Mm -hmm. or something that leader 
said to you that just didn't jive well for you and it made you feel uncomfortable. I definitely think that is very, very important and we need to find ways to help that. Yeah, I think that another really important concept is it's not to get too stuck in details. Like I love, because I think very visually. So when there's a concept that I can attach to some type of visual, that helps me bring it into something that's more tangible. And I think there's a risk for people to feel like my credits and debits have to be perfectly matched every single day. And that that's not the goal. We want to make sure that we are consistently giving ourselves energy credits so that when there is a day that's particularly taxing beyond our average day, we have a cushion in our checking account to absorb that. It is not so much getting it down to this perfect science of it has to be perfectly equal, because that I think could create just insanity of trying to to be that meticulous about it. And sometimes people's brains go there and they get very too specific with it. So we want this theoretical concept, but it's got a flow to it. And I love how you mentioned that we're going to have those days. So like a business owner or even a leader, you're going to have those good days, you're going to have those bad days. So how are you being emotionally, not just for yourself, but the people around you who look to you and follow what you're doing? If you are being strong, then they're going to follow that. If there's chaos going on and you are the cause of the chaos, well, then that's mm-hmm. another issue. I know we delved in a little bit, but I would like to go into a little bit more specifically here. Sure. Why is debit and credit so important? Important because I think that there are a lot of debits and credits that go on in a day unnoticed and unaddressed. And a lot of our power to manage our wellness comes from just tuning into it a little bit more, paying better attention. So if I'm not aware of what some of the daily in and out less obvious debits are, that's what can really sneak up on people and create burnout. If I'm not attending to the fact that writing this particular kind of report is really taxing for me, or attending this particular meeting is really taxing for me, or whatever it is, again, it might not be something that we can eliminate, but we just have to be like, oh, that's that's this meeting on this day. I need to make sure I'm doing something a little bit extra in my credit column, whether that be a quick five-minute transition activity after a difficult conversation, after a meeting, whatever it might be. Bringing awareness gives us such power. And when we go through our day with just our blinders on of checking things off the to-do list, which in one hand is satisfaction, there's satisfaction in that of accomplishing things, great, good, But also, what did it take me to get there? And how do I replenish myself as a result? And so it's just the concept of the debit and the credit is just making us look at the stuff that we're doing already with a little bit of a different lens and then figuring out, do I need to add more things that are the credits and making sure that I've got that cushion because the debits are going to keep coming. So you mentioned stuff like unnoticed. Maybe elaborate, like when you say unnoticed, what do you mean when you say things are going that are unnoticed? Are you talking about if you were waking up and you're just not having a good day, but you just don't know why? Is that what you're meaning? I'm thinking more about some of the parts of all of our jobs. So most jobs, I'm, I'm going to say most, there might, I could say all, but have parts that are not everyone's favorite right? There's just the things that are that you have to do. And those just need to be noticed and named as such. And that just allows us to be like, I'm having to do that thing. Whether it's like, gosh, I hate having to do this data collection. Okay. 
I, it's not my favorite part. I'm, I have to do it. I understand why I have to do it. And now I just need to know that since I had a bunch of data collection I had to do today, I'm going to do something a little bit extra for myself to counterbalance the fact that I had a piece of my job that's not my favorite. And it's just trying to be realistic about that. I don't know any person personally who loves every single part of their job. So it's more to your point, Yes, when you have a particularly taxing day, or sometimes you're just having an off day and don't really know why, absolutely, let's attend to those. But what I'm thinking about is sometimes we have these debits. How much time are we spending on social media? That can be a real debit. How much time are we spending watching the news? That can be a big debit. How much time are we spending engaged in just activities that take from us in a way? Just be aware. Yeah, that it all makes sense. I know when I'm helping out somebody who is, for example, out of work, we mentioned what I love is that there's parts of your job that are not your favorite. So mm-hmm. when I tell somebody when they're looking for a new job or they're in a job and they're trying to make a change, I always tell them that the first thing that I would do is try to figure out the things that you enjoy. And I do tell them exactly what you said. There are some things in your job, no matter what job that you, you do, that you're not going to like. But try to figure out the things that you do like to do and make a list of those things Mm -hmm. and then when you are applying for jobs then you're looking for those things in the job description so that you see oh I could do this or I think I would enjoy this and I think that I would enjoy that instead of applying for another job that you know you're not gonna even though the pay might be great and the benefits might be great but it doesn't fit what you're looking for in Mm -hmm. your job that you want to do every I love that you said that because that's pretty much what I tell people mm-hmm. is make a list and figure that out first. And then from there, we can start to work. And I'll try to find you jobs and even maybe connect you with somebody who's doing those jobs or talk to them and see what it's like to work right. doing that job or in that organization and all of that stuff. And just as important to noticing what our debits are, there are hopefully things present in our day-to-day job that go in the credit column. And those can just as go, those can go just as unnoticed, which is equally as problematic because if we're not attending to the things that are actually bringing us something positive, we need to see those. We need to put those in the bank because again, you have hard days. And so we want to look for the things all right, I just had to write this really heavy report, but oh my gosh, X, Y, or Z just happened and that was good. So it, it, we have to notice all the things <laughs> and just name them and put them where they need to go. So I think you might've talked about it a little bit, but I again, want to go a little bit more in depth. So what are some of the ways to check that we are not over? It's a good question. I think that the more I start talking with people about wellness, a lot of us have been so disconnected from it for quite a while. So the first thing is to really start to check back in with ourself. How am I feeling at the end of the day? Am I feeling fatigued? Am I carrying tension in my body anywhere? Am I starting to have stress dreams about work? Am I having, am I noticing myself to be more irritable? How am I eating? So it's, I think the first thing to do is a bit of a self-assessment. What's my baseline? Where am I at? And That might take a minute if we've been pretty disconnected from it. Then once we have a sense of where we truly are feeling, then we can start to think about more critically, what are the things that are debiting? What are the things that are crediting? And 
are those in balance? And we will know if those, if we're out of balance, once we start paying attention to how we're feeling, how we're thinking, how's our sleep, all these different components of life that are affected by wellness or unwellness as it may be. So it's first checking in with yourself and really getting a good sense of how am I feeling? How's my head? What's my internal dialogue to myself? Am I speaking really negatively to myself? Am I totally disconnected? Where am I? And then we can get a better sense of what this means on a more day-to-day basis. And when you say check-in, I would think that doing a check-in, asking yourself, what's really bothering me? What are the things that are making me irritable? What really drove me crazy today? Was it because I didn't get a lot of sleep the night before? Mm -hmm. Or is it because a coworker said something that I didn't enjoy? Or I got an email from my leader and it was all written in red. When then you're like, oh my God. And so figuring out what it actually is. If you don't know exactly what it is, then how can you? And you may not know that right away, but the more we are mindful and attend to that, we'll get those answers. So the first time I do a check-in with myself, I might not know. Was I more irritable because I didn't sleep well? Or am I irritable because I'm irritated? Because it was irritating, right? Or is it some combination of both? But the more we practice that going through your day checked in, the better we'll get at teasing out, oh, I'm feeling really reactive today because... I had an argument with my partner or whatever. So I know that going to work and I'm going to manage myself differently. Or, you know, sometimes people, we're we're humans. We have lives. We might get bad news about health of a loved one. All these things are going to factor in. So obviously that's going to be a big debit of a day, right? That's why we want that cushion. But the more regularly we practice those check-ins, and this is why I love doing the resiliency work that I do because it's groups every two weeks. And so it is a every two week check-in with the same people over the span of a long period of time. And so the whole point is a pause. Where am I? How am I doing? And what skills might I need to apply considering this? And I love when you said pause, because I do believe not just leaders, but I think we all have to understand that there is a time for us to listen with the intent of giving advice. And there is a time where we need to listen with pause. In other mm-hmm. words, letting the person talk, letting the person vent. I'll admit, husbands, we drive our wives crazy. And sometimes I say to her, what's wrong? And she'll say, I don't know, but you're just driving me crazy. I, I don't know, <laughs> but I don't know why. And I'm like, okay, I'm not meaning to, I'm not doing anything. But in that situation, she just doesn't know why. Right. I'm not trying to find a solution there. I'm just either letting her do her thing or Mm -hmm. letting her vent. Because the worst thing I can do in that situation is give a motion. You bet. Yeah. Or, oh, I think you should be doing this. And that would be like, that would be the worst thing. I think one of the most, when I work with couples, one of the most common conversations I have is teaching people to, A, identify, am, am I, if I'm the speaker, Am I looking to vent? Am I looking to brainstorm? Or am I looking to problem solve? And those are different. And the listener needs to know, am I listening to listen? Am I listening to problem solve? And it eliminates so many arguments to be like, no, I actually need your help solving this problem. Okay, great. Or 
no, I just want you to hear me. Okay, great. That cues me as a listener. What's my role here? I have a connection of mine. She Mm -hmm. was working for a company and she just was not feeling, she didn't know what was wrong. She couldn't figure out, but she just knew there was just something wrong. And she had two supervisors. The first supervisor she went to see basically said to her, take a few minutes, go walk outside, walk it off and come back and you'll feel better. It's okay. And then the next one she spoke to, he said, what's wrong? And I just not wrong, but I just don't feel myself. I don't know what it is. So his first words were, what do you need from me? Mm-hmm. Or do you need me to give you advice or do you need me to listen just to listen? We've been working together for a long time. I know you. Do you need a hug? What can I do to help you? And she didn't know the answer. Just mean ask the that, question. Yeah, that person, she said, yeah. I, she says, I felt so much better yep. because he showed care. He showed that he actually genuinely cared about my well-being and wanted to help me in whatever way that he could. I think it's a perfect story example. Yeah, you love the example. Yeah. And, and that's just, he, he crushed it because he may not have the answer, but just offering her the space to have a voice about what she was looking for is, is so powerful. Yeah, it certainly is. So what are some of the best ways you think to stay Imbalance. This became, like I said, about eight years ago, I started doing more resiliency work. And then it became issue in my own life. I have a three-year-old. And so when he was born, a lot of the windows of time that I previously had to engage in self-care or wellness activities were dramatically reduced. So I had to really reevaluate for my own self, how do I look at wellness differently because how I've been able to do it up until this point is not accessible at this time. And so it really taught me that this view that a lot of us have, because wellness and and self-care gets, self-care can get a bad name because it can feel like another thing I have to put on my to-do list. So now I have to do this other thing. I have to find time to go to yoga. I have to find time to do an hour long workout. I have to do blah, blah, blah. And it gets stressful because if we can't get to it that day, then we're, we failed at our self-care. And that's not the point. And that's certainly as a new mom who was back to work at 12 weeks, hour-long yoga classes were not on the table. And so I had to re- really reimagine wellness. And that taught me more. I, I knew this concept conceptually of looking for the small things, finding your small windows. I, I said that a lot. It really taught me what that actually felt like and how to do that on a functional level. And that's really what I encourage so many people to do is the credits don't need to be million dollar deposits into the bank. They rarely are actually. It's much more these like one, five and $10 little deposits that we do that really keep our bank full. So that can be simple of closing your eyes for five minutes and taking some deep breaths. Don't turn off your visual stimuli and and just shut your eyes for a minute, five minutes, set a timer because we're on computers all day. Just give your eyes a rest, go stand outside, take some deep breaths, physically walk around if you can. Find little five to 10 minute bursts of activity to do to bring those throughout your day. 
And then when you do have the opportunity to have a longer workout, a longer massage, whatever the, a, a nice long dinner, like whatever those things are, appreciate them. But that's not the expectation or the norm for day-to-day deposits to your checking account. I just love that because we all have our schedules. And like you said, when it doesn't work out, if you haven't gotten your workout in, uh, you had that intention of getting it in. And when it didn't happen, you're disappointed. Another one of my connections, she has four boys and she still does her workout. And she has a certain window Mm-hmm. And she says, if I don't do it by a certain time, it's gone. Because once those guys wake up, it's mom. And then she says, and then my husband wakes up and he's, hon, what is this? Or hon, have you seen this? Hon, yep. I'm looking for my keys. Hon, I'm looking for my wallet. She makes sure that she gets up her specific time. And that's her time. She gets her workout in. She prepares all the stuff for the day. And that's her time. She says, once you wake up then that's it. And then I think, like we talked earlier, that could be taken to work that day because you're like, oh man, I tried to get that workout in and everybody woke up and it just ruined my plan for today. I really wanted to start off on a good note. Now I'm just miserable because I didn't get what I wanted to have happen in the morning accomplish and then they could get into an argument with somebody in the office and people will think oh so so are arguing because of workload but it's not even about workload it's because they didn't get what they wanted to do right from the start or the day didn't start off yeah absolutely and it's not just about physical activity those are great ways it's also like Positive interactions with your colleagues, positive interactions with your clients, positive interactions with your family, appreciating the leaves changing on your drive home, looking at the flowers blooming. It can be, for me, my job involves lots and lots of talking and listening. And I need silence for a little bit every day. And so (laughs) sometimes I like, I don't want to turn the TV on. I don't want background noise. I just need a few minutes. And it's not a lot, but I just need a few minutes every day where I'm not speaking and I'm not hearing. And that is really restorative for me. And again, it's not an hour in a sensory deprivation chamber. It's just, I need 15 minutes where I just am by myself and it's quiet. And that's very helpful for me. Yeah. And I'm having a three-year-old too. It's like you're hearing all these people talking and then you're a three-year-old as well. Mm-hmm. And you're having these conversations with people, it's not even a conversation. You're doing more of the listening and then you just need to regroup. And then you may need some healthy and fun conversation as well. And as much as parents love their children, it's nice to have a conversation. I'm not talking about Legos and and, (laughs) and watching cartoons. Yeah. It's nice to have a conversation about what, things are going on in their world and what's happening and you know what they're going through and what you're going through and it's, it's nice to have that as well and it can be in any environment whether it's in the workplace or outside of the workplace i have a company that i know of they work remotely but they do a coffee chat uh, once a week a co-worker will send a message on teams to another co-worker and say hey let's do a 15 minute coffee chat on wednesday and they get on 15 minutes mm-hmm. and they just talk, how are you doing? How are you doing? What's new? 
If they need to continue the conversation a little bit further, then they can always do that. But just a quick check-in. How are you doing? How are you coping with things? No one even if you need any help with anything. Or, and it doesn't even have to be about work. It could be what's going on. I heard you went on a trip. How did it go? And I loved hearing that because it's like an escape from the everyday work cycle. And it's fun. And when someone reaches out to the other person, it's so nice to get a message. Hey, let's do a coffee chat Wednesday. And it's almost, hey, they want to talk with me. This is nice. Mm -hmm. So let's do it. So I, I just loved it. It's, it's certainly an awesome idea. And there's ways to do that in person. If you work with people, let's go for a, a 15 minute walk. Let's go have a cup of coffee, like whatever it might be. And and again, it's such a good example that it doesn't need to be this giant chunk of time. It doesn't at all. It could be like said, a 10, 15 minute thing. And it can mean a world of difference to people for sure. If you could choose one word to describe yourself, Andrew, what word would that be? I would say well, lots of words came into my head, but you actually used one that I think fits right now, which is adaptable. Um, and that that's always been true, but I really tapped into that adaptability being 36 weeks pregnant when the world shut down for COVID, you had to get adaptable. And then that since then that really has heightened that skill of adaptability, which also then is a lovely skill to tap into when you have children, because I think it was, yeah, it was last Wednesday. We get a call from daycare that Wyatt had fallen and bitten his lip terribly. And so that day was gone, like home from work, taking him to urgent care, all the things you have to figure out how to get it done. And it's funny you talk about that because I think companies have to be adaptable in those situations because I'm a guy and in those situations, it's usually mom that goes and takes care of those situations. Mm -hmm. And there, every once in a while there is a dad and I'm not saying that it's always the case, but usually it's mom. Mom takes care of the sick kid when they're sick at school. Mom goes to get them. It's mom. And usually, like 95% of the time, they want mom. So I do need to give my husband credit. He is the one because I was covering the clinic and I'm like, hey, I need you to go get him from school. And he did. And then I was like, I'll get home as soon as I can and we'll trade off. So I do need to give him an absolute shout out. He handled the immediate crisis. I came home, high five, I'm out. I'm going to take him to urgent care. You go back to work. (laughs) But it's just, that's the adaptability that just has to happen. Like it it is, there is no way either one of us could do it without that flexibility and adaptability that we've just been forced to for sure. And I don't mean to say that it's like that or to generalize, but right. people that I talk to, it's mom. Mm-hmm. Kids are like mom. And mom is the one and lots of people that I worked with, companies and oh I gotta I gotta leave early today, my son feeling well or whatever. And it's mom. And and like I said, usually they want mom. And it's mm-hmm. that's just how it is. I love that word adaptable for you. I thought about it as well and I came up with a, a word that I thought that kind of fit you as well, just mm-hmm. from our conversations and the word that I thought of was pleasant and the reason why I thought of pleasant is because you have a a super attitude about everything I find you consider others I'd say especially me from day one show interest in people you have humility uh, and you just have such a great sense of humor so I thought of that word as well oh thanks that's lovely I appreciate that you're welcome any final thoughts today I just really encourage people to 
not only focus on the deficits, it's important to see them and know what they are. And like I said, you can eliminate some, minimize some, change some, and then better cope with the ones that are going to remain. But I think it is potentially more important to look for the little small deposits that go into our credit account. Because even an interaction that has a debit can still have a credit. I thought of this when you were talking about parenting and there's so much of that. I played with my son last night. We did a bunch of magnetiles and built a whole village and there was so much credit there because it was such a lovely interaction to see his little imagination. It's also tiring. And so there's a debit component to it as well. And I can't, if I were to just focus on the debit of, gosh, that I'm exhausted, I'm, it's the end of my work day, and now I'm down on the ground playing, if I just focused on the tired component, I would miss the much larger, actually, credit from that. And that helps those interactions where even when you're tired, it's lifting up that tiredness because there was some really cool things that he said and creative things that he did. And I'm like, that's neat. I, if I hadn't been playing with him, I wouldn't have seen this. I love what you said there because I truly feel that leaders have, and it's not fully on them, but leaders do have a responsibility to make sure that people are going into a safe work environment. Mm-hmm. And that safe work environment is that at the end of the day, they are able to go home free of thought of the workplace that they're able to go and spend time with their families. And that story is a perfect example of uh, people who would love to spend time playing with uh, their kids and they do, but they tire a lot faster because of their day. And so I'm sorry, you know, mom's got to go lie down. I had a a long day. And so I think as leaders, we have to understand that we want them to come in and be productive but we want to have a safe environment for them. And we want them to be able to go home and enjoy their time. With Absolutely. Ones because if they can't, then where are they getting their relaxation part of their day? And mm-hmm. when are they unwinding? And where are they able to prepare for the next day ahead? And if they have meetings and stuff like that, how are they preparing if they just have no downtime? Right. If there's no opportunity for restoration in a day, people will burn out. And and I think that employers who highlight the importance of work-life balance are going to have happier, healthier, more productive employees because their credits are coming in more because they aren't overworked and exhausted to the point that they can't play with their kids to then get those credits that come or enjoy time with their partner or their family or whatever their home life looks like. If our work-life balance is skewed, those opportunities to create the credit get smaller and smaller, and that's what fosters burnout. I just want to take the time to thank you for joining me today. I just love this conversation. I think it was a fantastic conversation I thought was meaningful and I thought it was important to discuss. I know that you have such a hectic schedule, but I wanted to thank you honest and personally for taking the time to have this conversation with me. I enjoyed it and I'm sure that the audience is going to enjoy it as well. So it is greatly appreciated that you took the time to spend with me today. Thank you. I, again, thank you for the opportunity. It's stuff I love to talk about. So I appreciate the platform to do On behalf of myself and my guest, Andrea, I would like to thank you all for listening today. And until next time, 
Be safe and remember everyone that if we all work together, we accomplish anything. You have been listening to Let's Be Diverse with Andrew Stout. To stay up to date with future content, hit subscribe 